welcome once again to Color of Night Minutes, the podcast where we ironically fondle through the not able to see the color red Bruce Willis movie, Color of Night, one erotic minute at a time. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on. What did you say? The color, it's Color of Night Minute, isn't it? That's what color the... of Night Minute. No, you've, you've got it wrong, Nile. This is Die Hard Minute we're hosting now. Die, die, die Hard again. Yeah, we're, we're back for more. Yeah, we, again. Believe we, it or not, it has yet to finish. But we did it. It took seven hours, but we did it. It's done. Strap yourself in for seven more. All right, seven more. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, it's actually quite fortuitous, though, because minutes 82 of Color of Night is exactly identical to minute 82 of Die Hard. So all my notes should actually... I'll just swip, swap the character names. That should be fine. Oh, perfect. All right, apparently... We're here at Die Hard Minute again to talk about Minute 82 of the uh, holiday classic, although apparently that's up for debate now. But uh, Oh, don't bring that back up. That's a sore spot. <laughs> but, uh, and we're today joined by a man who's featured on the show before, I believe, Sean German. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm... I'm here throwing away, tearing up all my Jane March notes. <laughs> Save them. You never know when you're going to need them. You never know. Okay. But uh, you have, like, I believe we're doing this as part of like fulfilling your uh, quest to get on as many diehard minutes as you can, Sean. Like, how many have you done so far? Uh, this will be number nine. Number nine? Holy crap. Oh, my So God. One, one more, and I've got my full, full two weeks in. Oh, not to get into spoilers, but uh, have you got a, a potential tenth lined up yet, or is it still the it's still to grab it? Um, you'll just have to keep listening oh. and find out. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I have an idea. We should maybe introduce ourselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am. Uh, Who are you? Yeah. I am Niall McGowan, uh, who's also hosts the podcast Bat Minute Eighty Nine. Where we do, uh, well, this with 1989's Batman. And I am John Parker. And guys, guys, come closer, come closer. I am also from Batman at 89. Get out of here. No way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are the but, odds? Yeah. Uh, but today we're here to uh, talk about Minute 82 of Die Hard. Minute 82 begins with Ellis coming out with one of his many, many, many classic lines. And uh, it ends a minute later with Powell forcing McLean into some sort of pact. And, uh, yeah, let's let's dig into this thing. Much like some people may dig into ice cream in many ways. <laughs> that, that was very strange. But okay. It yes. was relevant to what the, the end of the minute is. <laughs> but, yeah, we, I mean, we, we start a course. We're right back in it here. Yep, yeah, the... Plops himself down in the seat and does, uh, you know, the classic line, I could give them to you, which is, uh, and then flashes <laughs> the most, you know, I know we'll have to censor the language, but it's a full on shit eating grin. Yeah. <laughs> like, and just the, it, this guy. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, I've probably brought it up a thousand times, but everything he does, I just, I hate it. Yeah. I hate him. <laughs> He is just an absolutely slimy scuzzball. Like, he, everything about him. So he is probably one of the, a character you love to hate because he is just like, oh, mm. this guy, let's hate this guy. But at the same <laughs> time, it's just like, I can't stop watching him, though. He's something really compelling about him. 
I think re- repulsive and compelling <laughs> is probably the best two uh, words. Have you uh, have you had to talk about Ellis already, Sean? No, or... I, I think this is my first Ellis minute, and Woo! and he's awful. <laughs> and you just flat out hate. Yeah, him. you well, don't even love to hate him. You just hate him. <laughs> I just hate to hate him. Well, and he's presumptuous. He's in a room full of uh, terrorists or thieves or whatever with with machine guns and armaments, and he just sits down. He they don't. He doesn't wait to be offered a seat or anything. He just presumes I'm going to sit back and yeah, lean back way back in this chair. And even the way he talks, there's this annoying lip smacking um, that Mm. he does, which I realize I I do as well, having listened to myself on podcasts. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not. We've all noticed ourselves doing that. But I'm not trying to negotiate with terrorists and uh, I'm not in the movies. He's just this. The lips, the smile, the teeth. I, I hate everything about this guy. <laughs> there's, there's something very strange about the level of smile he does and seeing these teeth shine out behind this beard. It's something very odd about it. I don't know what it is. Because like, I'm a guy, I have a beard, and I smile. I don't find that odd. But with him, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like, what's going on? Maybe because the smile itself and the look he's giving is so strange in itself. Because the fact he has to hold it for a little bit, because presumably mm-hmm. as you know, waiting for McTiernan to go cut. But within the reality of the film, how long is he sitting there, just like this? And then Hans is just sitting staring at him, and then it's just like, okay, well now, yeah, I'll explain how I can give him to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think he holds it like that because because even to him, it's an act, it's a character. It's like, well, this is my business persona. This is how he would do a business deal, isn't it? He goes into this as if it is a meeting. He's trying to negotiate like a new contract yeah, or yeah. something. Oh, one hundred percent, yeah. Hans, Booby. <laughs> oh, a classic. Oh. I, I really got to. Re- we have to respect the restraint that that Gruber is showing at this point to <laughs> to not having shot this guy immediately. <laughs> I think to it let is, him go this long. I think it is like he just has a fascination with him because everyone else was so running scared. And then this absolute prick swaggers in. It's <laughs> just really <laughs> thinking he's going to control this. I think he is just like, I want to see where this guy's going with this. <laughs> and then, and then uh, he probably Absolutely. is already, I'm going to kill him at some point. But eh, let's see how long we can string this along. And, because well, he, he starts off very annoyed with him. But, I mean, he does tolerate him, though. As you say, I think he's intrigued. Because, you know, he, he comes in thinking, oh, I'm going to be smart and clever. But, you know, Hans responds with, uh, you know, you are very perceptive. <laughs> and he couldn't look more annoyed at this clown sitting across from him, could he? Like, you can tell within seconds that Hans is like, this guy is a piece of crap. And that takes a lot for Hans to think <laughs> yeah. about someone. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, it's me. I've actually, I'm, I'm kind of familiar with the look that, that Hans gives Ellis at this point. I've, I got it go, thinking back to my school days. As a student, I got that look from professors where it's like, you're you're 100% wrong. Everything that you think you've deduced about the situation is absolutely incorrect, but you're so off that it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that I, yeah, I just, I'm going to let you go just to see where you end up, just to see how far off you can get from where you think you are. I think it's, uh, me and John are familiar with that look because it's apparently the look all our listeners have when they're sitting, listening to Batman at 89. I'm just like, well, these guys, all right, these guys are way off, but uh, let's, I'll, I'll keep downloading this anyway just to see where they go with it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then we uh, cut then quickly to, uh, you know, briefly to a shot of the exterior of the Nakatomi Plaza. 
uh, where we hear what sounds very briefly like uh, McLean either in the throes of passion, again, calling back to Color of Night, because, you know, that, that movie's pretty hot. And uh, <laughs> uh, either that or in extreme agony. The seam, as we just you know find out, then it, it's a form of the latter, really. <laughs> but uh, it really sounds like he, like he almost like like he did he walk in and find like an unflushed toilet or something. It's that kind of level of. <laughs> 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 but Powell very urgently sort of grabs the mic to do like a what 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 you know uh, what, what's happening? Is everything okay? Okay, and uh, we're informed then by McLean that he's uh, just having the. Scarf down a thousand-year-old Twinkie. <laughs> I love that gag because I fell for what I assume the gag is. Like, you think, oh, he's in pain. Mm-hmm. What's happened to John? Oh, my God. And I completely fell for it. I was like, oh, no, he's hurt. Because, <laughs> you know, the cops, they all think that. They're like, oh, we're worried about him. Uh, but then I also thought, well, why, if he's in pain, why is he grunting down the, uh, down the, what do you want to call that thing? <laughs> I've lost. I've lost my words. I was going to say the mic because I'm so used the, to saying the damn the mic walkie-talkie. On the, show. <laughs> the walkie-talkie. There's oh an odd God. moment though that he chooses. He's just. Was he already doing this? And he's like, "This is so bad. I have to talk to someone about it." So he's like, "Get that walkie-talkie," <laughs> just so yeah. people know how right. disgusted he is. It's like you know, there's a certain pain or discomfort that you feel the need to share, like. You know, when you, you find some old leftovers in the back of the fridge and just it smells awful. And then you call somebody over here, smell this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's just he's got to share the pain. Yeah, I think it's helping him get through the whole situation, yeah. like the whole terrorist thing, <laughs> to be honest. You know, just uh, having a friend to talk to about terrible food and things, it keeps him sane because he's not exactly in a normal situation, no. is he, with the rest of his day? Yeah, far from it. <laughs> no, no, this is yeah. not And it took me ages to realize what he was saying here. I had to play it back like seven times, because he says, just trying to fire down a thousand-year-old Twinkie. I couldn't figure out he was saying fire down. I was like, what? What? Hang yeah. on. I don't know if that's just me. Is that a phrase? Am I just stupid? I've never not heard that phrase. I've never heard that either. I, yeah, I kind of, from... From seeing how it goes, I kind of piece together the the meaning from the context that he's talking about eating. Mm. But yeah, I, I I'm not familiar with that phrase. Yeah. Fire down. That's an odd one. And also, I had many <laughs> questions about this because uh, did do Twinkies go bad? I assumed like they were so artificial that they'd survive like alongside cockroaches in a nuclear war or something like that, you know? Yeah, that, that's the kind of the reputation of, of Twinkies in like media, isn't it? Because that's the whole thing in Zombieland, the, the, mm. the, the quest for Twinkies. And mm-hmm. it is always, I think like Family Guy did a thing about like, yeah, like, post-nuclear apocalypse, Twinkies will still be okay. At the, the thing is to me, like, I, yeah, I, I would go along with your mentality of like, yeah, it must be because they're so just entirely made of chemicals and whatnot. It would be impossible for them to go off. And, but the diehard seems to be the one thing contradicting this. Like, maybe it's more the fact that like, well, it, it, it hasn't gone moldy, but it does taste bad. But then that would bring up my other point is that uh, like we... We didn't get Twinkies in the UK until very, very recently. Like, literally in the past. Yeah, yeah, a couple of years ago, really. Yeah. And uh, when I saw them, they, you know, they're extortionately priced as well because it's like, they're not, they're almost like a novelty. It's like, 
Oh, they're imported. Yeah, imported stuff, and it's all like, yeah, you know yeah. these from the movies, right? You never, you know, you got all the you know, <laughs> Ghostbusters and stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, uh, for £3.50, all right, I'll buy a box of Twinkies. And I tried Ooh. my first one, and it was disgusting. <laughs> and so it's just yeah. like, these things are absolutely horrible. So Yes. Hey, you know, they're okay. They're okay. I, I don't mind them, but there's no way I could eat more than one at a time without just vomiting everywhere. They're so yeah. sweet and faint. <laughs> but it's, uh, I mean, what, what do you have any, as an American, Sean, do you have any sort of patriotic pride in Twinkies? Or are you like, oh, no, they are trash? Uh, no, no, they're not good. And I used to, I, I've, I think I've cured myself. It's been a few years since I had a Twinkie. Um, I used to pick one up probably about once a year. I'd you know be walking through the market and oh there's there's Twinkies, um, and 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 my thought would be oh I'm going to treat myself you know this is not something I have all the time ah. but it's a nice little snack it's sweet I'm going to treat myself I'll have a Twinkie yeah. and I'll purchase it I'll eat it and then I'll I'll immediately think well that was not a treat <laughs> that you know, that was not a pleasurable experience why did I do that and then. You know, twelve months later, I will have forgotten the experience and would do it again. And this went on. Oh. This went on for about a decade until it finally realized, no, this is. I don't do this. So I've I've sworn off the Twinkies. I don't eat them anymore because yeah, they're they're not they're not great. And and partially was they they revised the um, the formulation, the ingredients to make them a little more healthy. Oh. But in but they're not healthy. They're just less unhealthy than they were. <laughs> but that, but that's sacrificing the taste. Um, so I think partially it was when I was a child. One, you taste change. You'll eat different things as a child than as an adult. But I think partially it also is the reformulation that they in you know they kind of sacrifice some of the taste and the texture to make it more healthy. But for something like this, it's a Twinkie's never going to be health food. They should just no, do whatever no. it does to make it taste good and, and forget the health aspect of it. It's a bit like McDonald's. Like, I don't understand when people, they'll go to McDonald's, but they're like, they'll have the salad yeah. With, yeah. The, with the burger. It's like, if I want a nice salad, yeah. I'm not getting yeah. it from McDonald's. Like, I'll go anywhere else. <laughs> right. Just get the fries and shut up. Yeah. <laughs> just... yeah. I mean, you don't have to be healthy all the time. You can have, you know, a cheat day or whatever. Um, so going to McDonald's once in a while is not necessarily a bad thing. But if yeah, if you're gonna do it, just do it. Get the Big Mac, get the fries and the shake, uh, and and, and yeah, then get. I was out always remembered from um, Super Size Me, the documentary. The and I do remember that because he was going on to like you know people in the street and asking them like, oh dude, do you eat McDonald's? Like I remember he came up to these two guys and they're both really muscular, incred- incredibly fit looking guys. And they're, he's just like, do you guys eat, ever eat at McDonald's? And they're like, oh, every day. I love McDonald's. And then he's just like, oh, how have you kept so trim? He's like, Whoa. well, you can't just like eat them and just sit around. You have to take care of yourself, you know. But you can still have it if you want, as long as you're eating healthy elsewhere and all this sort of stuff. I was like, well, yeah, these these guys haven't figured out, I guess, that they're they're having their cake and eating it too. Well, their hostess Twinkies cake. Yeah, balance is the key. <laughs> but uh, t- talking about the, uh, the ingredients of Twinkies, because we might as well move on to the next line, which is directly linked to that uh where we get mclean mm-hmm. going oh, what are, what do they put in these things anyway and um uh we have uh pal's answer do you have you guys have you written this down have you uh memorized the dialogue or <laughs> yeah i have i 
I didn't <laughs> because I figured one of you was going to do that. But I, I'll just say I love how Al responds with the list because it shows that he kind of just he buys yeah. these damn things like on the daily. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> he knows this off the top of his head. He doesn't even have to think. Yeah, that is. Do you want to deliver the line, Sean? Well, sure. It's uh, sugar enriched flour, partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, polysorbate sixty, and yellow dye number five. Mm, just everything. My favorite a, yellow dye. Just everything. A growing <laughs> for reason, because just because it has the the phrase number five in it, my mind instantly goes to mambo number five. Uh, Louis Vega. Wait, is it Louis Be- It's yeah. uh, well, it's Lou Vega. Lou Vega. Uh, I actually heard it a few years ago. I was in Berlin, and I was at uh, like a rock club, and they had a burlesque night on. <laughs> this is a very weird story. And they they wanted people from the audience to come up and do a burlesque act, and then the audience had to choose the song. And it was the most German thing ever, because Lou Bega's German, which people don't always realize. So you had to choose either between that or Falco's <laughs> De Commissar. <laughs> now, I was torn because I think they're both fantastic. I went with De Commissar, which was Excellent so choice. I saw yeah. a, a burlesque act to Falco's <laughs> De Commissar. Which is very but, um, peculiar. But yeah, I always remember it now because uh, was it in, it's in... I was at Iron Man 3 because that begins with Eiffel... That begins in a flashback. So I think they start with Eiffel 65 blue, and then later on the same scene, you hear Mambo number five. And so you're like, it's 1999. Here are the songs of 99, guys. That's really like, oh, but at that point, it's in the cinema. But like, geez, I haven't heard Mambo number five in years. But, uh, but yeah, just because of that, though, when he says yellow dive number five, I keep kind of expecting him to go like, ah, afterwards or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just wondering, so what do you what do you have to say? Have you researched... Uh... These ingredients? No, not the ingredients themselves. No. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's kind of interesting the 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 science and the chemistry of, of food that that goes into these things. So, um, so the hydrogenated vegetable oil uh, hydrogenation uh, simply means adding hydrogen to. So they take some of the uh, the the double bonds between carbons in the chain and replace them with single bonds and hydrogens. And what that does is it solidifies. It allows uh, control of the texture of the, the vegetable oil. Um, it'll change a liquid into a, into a solid, um, which will affect the, the texture and the consistency of, of the final product. And okay. uh, the, the partially part of that, of the partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, just means not all, uh, not all the double bonds have been broken. So it's not fully hydrogenated. And that's got got two effects. One, the the degree of uh, hydrogenation, the number of double bonds in the chain will affect the consistency and the melting point of the vegetable oil. So again, controlling the the consistency. But the trade-off is that uh, there's potential health effects. So a, a fully a fully hydrogenated oil would be more healthy. The partially hydrogenated oil has been tied to uh, heart disease among other things. Oh. But it tastes better. <laughs> well, um, that's arguable, <laughs> to be fair, as well. <laughs> I, well yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, was I guess say. not. Um, but what, and what this replaces, if, if you wonder, well, I've made cake at home, I cook, and I don't, I don't partially hydrogenate my vegetable oil. Um, what this does, this replaces the butter that you might use in your home recipe. And uh, it, ah. it's more stable, basically. Uh, it'll 
helps preserve the product and last longer um, than, that makes than if they that use real butter. And then your, your polysorbate 60 is an emulsifier uh, that is, uh, helps keep the cream filling creamy uh, without real fat. And this replaces eggs. Again, going back to what, you, what ingredients you would use if you were making this at home. And again, it's also something that's more stable than the, the real quote unquote real product that you'd use at home. Uh, but interesting, I, I found it interesting. The, uh, these are all ingredients that are more stable than the things they're replacing, but they're not uh, strictly pre- preservatives per se. The only preservative in Twinkies is the sorbic acid. That's an actual preservative uh-huh. which inhibits mold growth. Um, which is part of the reason why they don't go bad. But so that's why they add the the sorbic acid, which uh, which yeah. Carl doesn't mention. But I thought I'd throw that but, out. Uh, I just, you think that the amount of work and all the, the, the scientific thought that went into creating that, and they had to consider it like, oh, if you if you partially hydrate this and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff, and then eventually landing on a Twinkie and just have they eat it and just be like. <laughs> that's okay. That's the best we yeah. could do. <laughs> Well, I, I think it's 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 the best. Like if aliens came down and sort of humanity was on some sort of trial and, you know, what have you accomplished? What have you done? What can you how do you justify your existence before we destroy your planet? And you show them a Twinkie and you say, look, all our all the work, all the discovery, the research, our master, our mastery of chemistry and physics that we produce this yellow snack cake uh, that lasts forever. Um and you know the verdict is not guilty. Earth lives. Yay! I don't know. They, I think they might. They might invade. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. They might want to uh, bring their much nicer snacks. I say this as someone who minutes ago said they're okay. I'm, I'm being a bit harsh on these things. But uh, I've also got the again because this is you know one of the things we get the you know the, one of the big things of this minute is the the Twinkie discussion. I did a little research into. Twinkies and pop culture elsewhere, and because uh, a lot of people... ah, oh, other than the obvious, yeah, obviously, yeah, because it, most people will think of, you know, of course, Ghostbusters with the or tell me about the Twinkie, and although Ghostbusters again linked because James, the terrorist in this, is played by Vigo from Ghostbusters too, so there you go, it's yeah. uh, a little connection there, and uh, obviously, yeah, as I said Zombieland and um, that kind of stuff. But it did also find that um, tying back into to our show, to Bat Minute, the hostess did a series of uh, one-page comics, which yes. uh, which you know advertised Twinkies with the featured characters like you know Aquaman, Batgirl, uh, Josie and the Pussycats, the whole Archie gang, Daredevil, and all of this stuff. But then, of course, they obviously did some prominent ones with uh, with Batman. And uh, they're pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, Niall, they're perfect. They're amazing. Don't, never diss Batman. Never. <laughs> but it's uh, like a, some of the examples of the ones I got here. Because uh, like there's so, so many of them. But we've got one, um, you know, Batman and Professor Plutonium, which is a man who Ooh. tries to steal all the gold in Gotham, tries to get away by a boat, which is sounding very similar to Die Hard with a Vengeance, actually. <laughs> And uh, his whole plan is he's going to destroy the gold. And it's like, that is Die Hard with a Vengeance. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, hang on a minute. Wait. <laughs> they just stole it from yeah. that. And then, uh, by the end of it, though, Batman comes up in the Bat boat. And he's just like, oh, you know, stop. 
And Professor Plutonium is just like, oh, nothing can stop me but gold. And Batman's just got some Twinkies nearby. And he's like, well, what about these? Hostess Twinkie Cakes. And that stops ah. him. He's like, oh, my God, these are amazing. Uh, there's also what like, Oh, I thought you meant he, he ate them and was sick. Oh, no. <laughs> Stopped him in his tracks. Would have been somewhat more realistic, actually, if that had happened. But we also have Batman and the Twinkieless Gotham City, in which the penguin steals all the Twinkies. And uh, Batman literally just goes and just says, hey, give the Twinkies back. And he does. And <laughs> it's a bit of a bit of a downer. And uh, of course, then there's my favorite Batman and the K9 Caper. We're at the uh, at the the Gotham annual uh, kennel club dog show. Uh, they have the dogs are running wild, including a young lady's dog Poopsie. Uh, and there's a guy Aww. dressed as a guy dressed as a giant dog running around. Uh, who's got an ultrasonic dog whistle? You know, he's, he's trying he's trying to round up the dogs for himself or something. Batman comes in again. He's just like, well, instead of a bone, why don't you have some hostess Twinkies cakes? And the guy just takes off. That's him. He's won over. And then at the end, Commissioner Gordon's over shaking Batman's hand. Like, oh, thank goodness for uh, the Twinkies, Batman. <laughs> so, uh, Wait, hang on. Did the dogs eat the Twinkies? No, the guy who was dressed as a dog oh, okay, was so okay. like, kind of amazed by Twinkies. Because <laughs> I was thinking, and I don't think you're meant to feed Twinkies to dogs. That's, that's not good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they, uh, once this episode goes up, we can post a link because there's a whole, it's about like 50 of those. And uh, oh, yeah. they're all equally about as just baffling <laughs> as some of the other as as each other, really. But uh, yeah, I thought that because of Batman, hey, we're here. Batman represents, so we better mention this as a thing. Well, I actually I forgot to bring up at the start of this minute. Rewind. Uh, um. Oh, Hart Bochner, who plays Ellis, he's connected to Batman as well. Yeah, because he does voiceover work for the animated series oh, yeah. and Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, yeah so yeah. everything's connected. Yeah, he plays um, yeah Arthur Reeves. Yeah, Reeves. That's it. Yeah, and he's the one. I think we've mentioned him on our show because he's the one who has the amazing scene where like the Joker gives him the venom mm. and actually cuts to the scene of like the doctors trying to treat him and stuff, and you actually see the full effects of how, how horrible Joker venom would be and stuff. Which is, again, you just get an amazing scene of watching Hart Bachner marching towards certain death, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! It's what he does well. (laughs) Yeah. With Al, as well, I had a note here. I found there are rumors circulating that he is going to be in the new Die Hard that's coming out. Now, I bet I'll be wrong now I've said that, and I'm going to hideously date this podcast by putting it out there. Because it's, you know, when's the movie out? 2018? 2019? I've not, I've not been keeping track of the new Die Hard because yeah. I'm so morally <laughs> repulsed by the idea that they keep making them. So yeah, I have no yeah. idea what but, they're doing. Uh, but it's part prequel, part sequel, I believe, and he may be back. So uh, it'd be the first one he's been in since uh, the second one, I think. Uh, imagine, imagine they have like a scene of like uh, Donald Glover as young Powell. And he's like really trim and stuff, and he goes into a supermarket, and he's like, "Hey, uh, we just got a new shipment of Twinkies, and uh, you want?" He's like, "No, that for me, thanks." And then at the end of the day, oh. someone like gives him one at a birthday party or something, and you just like you see him munching it, and I'm like, "Hmm," and that's the end of the the, the end of the movie. <laughs> I would love that. Or, or he needs to help John, and in order to to give him his full cop powers, he has to eat a Twinkie. He's like it's like Popeye, it's like Popeye in his spinach, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, but with Twinkies, he just stuffs them down his gaping maw. <laughs> and because it's one of those, they have to do that stupid prequel thing of like, well, these guys aren't supposed to know each other beforehand, so it's like he doesn't know that it's John McClane he's helping. It's some other random <laughs> uh, New York cop and stuff, and it's like, oh god, <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah. Yeah, or like they were both because we talked last time we were on about McLean's you know uh, potential military service maybe they were like in Nam together or something like that but they didn't know it's the same guy <laughs> oh I hate it when they do things like that ah it would add, it would just wind yeah. up yeah again John he kind of tries to keep himself going now doesn't he with small talk of like the outside world and asking Al about his uh, upcoming kids and then you get what I would consider the most the most American dialogue possible <laughs> because he says, well, he asks him, you got any kids back on your ranch? Now it's, this is the kind of stuff that Tommy Wiseau, <laughs> isn't it? Like really it's America back on the ranch. It's really American. You don't get a ranch in the UK. Does that even exist? No, I don't think it no, exists. I don't think anyone referred to anything as a ranch, but it's a little, I find it a little kind of condescending as well, because he's referring to the fact that like, you know, they've had this, uh, he's overheard, you know, you know, Hans talking about Roy Rogers to him and stuff like this, and he knows that he's going by Roy in reference to Roy Rogers. So now the fact that like, oh, hey, cowboy, you know, and kids back in your ranch, it's a bit like, yeah, he's oh, a yeah. bit kind of almost playing along with his little, oh, you're calling yourself Roy because of that. <laughs> I just find it a little like, I guess it's, it's it's completely harmless, but it's be more like I personally wouldn't have done it right. I, well, I, I just boring. imagine this yeah. this being L.A. that um, that Al's done some workshopping. He's taken some classes in improv and, and they're finally paying off that he's, you know, he's playing off of of hands with the, the cowboy thing. He's like, oh, those nights oh, at UCB he's, he's, are finally <laughs> uh, coming into play here. <laughs> workshopping his new ideas. <laughs> well, of course, uh, spoiler alert, you do get that later on from Hans as well. He, yeah. he affects a new yeah. character. So he's obviously been attending these same classes. Maybe, they've, again, <laughs> they've act, they've seen each other and they're not aware they that they've been it. attending the same oh, <laughs> Now you're getting like, Benedict Cumberbatch has been added to as young Hans Gruber. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh I can yeah. actually see that. Yeah. I do but, um, I do have a question with an, with another line um, that Al says. So when when John asked if, if he has kids and Al says uh, wife is working on their, on their first kid. And, and I wonder um, I'm, I'm not a lady and I've never been pregnant. I, I wonder how women feel about just kind of that wording. Cause it, it, it reminded me of, and I don't know if this trend has reached the UK, but here in America um, waiters come around like towards the end of the meal. And they're asking if, if you're done eating, if they can clear the plates, but they say, are you still working on that? It's like, well, I'm, I'm not working. I'm, I'm eating. And I wonder if <laughs> it should if, be an enjoyable experience. And, and so, not you know, the, the women in the audience or, or men even um, that have worked, quote unquote, on a kid, like how do they react to that phrasing? You know, it's not she's not pregnant. She's not due any day now. She's working on their first kid. Like I, I thought that was strange phrasing, yeah. but I wonder how, how women feel about, you know, referred to that. Yeah. It's very it's very odd, isn't it? It's kind of like he's. He's almost distancing himself yeah. oh, from the she, responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it, and I'm not saying yeah. it's not work. Yeah, she, she's I'm, working I'm, on and that. I'm, I'm not. I'm sure it's 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 difficult, and there's many challenges in being pregnant and creating a new person, and then having that person burst out from inside you. 
Um, I don't, you know, I'm not saying it's not work, but just the way he phrases it, I thought was odd. Yeah, yeah. I think my takeaway from like this little interaction, though, is that like because Powell says, uh, you know, everything a growing boy needs. And it's kind of like, oh, McLean's like, oh, you know, you, it's kind of like, oh, he must know this because he's had to check for, like, his kids eating healthy, so that's why he knows what's in Twinkies. And then it's like, oh, no, he's not even had a kid yet. So <laughs> no, now I it's just more eat like, a lot of Twinkies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a, he's an expert. It's Paolo just sitting in the, the squad car, just like, nothing to do. Just reading the back of the Twinkie packet over and over and over <laughs> again until that information hey, you sinks know, in. When you're on a stakeout... You might be there a long time. Yeah, yeah. You you need to read something, a bit like you know, you might be going to the bathroom for a long time. You read the back of the shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, well, I, I was thinking when you're eating breakfast and you read the cereal box, but sure, <laughs> the, the shampoo and the loo that that works as well. <laughs> I, I had to take us to a new low. Toilet humor. Now, nowadays, of course, you'd bring your phone. I love him on a deep level because they have a really lovely exchange next. Because he says, you know, sure hope I can see them swinging on a jungle gym with Al Junior someday, John says to him. And then he said, you know, well, then that's a date, but you're going to have to bring the ice cream. And I thought that was quite cute because it feels like a real friendship forming and like the way it might feel and sound in this actual situation. And it's not over the top and like bro-y, like, yeah, bro. Yeah, that's a fair fair enough point. Yeah, it does seem to be there's a fair bit of affection between these two. These two people have never really met, you know. (laughs) Though that line kind of confused me. The uh, but you're going to have to bring the ice cream. Why can't he bring the ice cream? I don't (laughs) because he's a jerk. You have to bring the ice cream. You're like, okay, maybe maybe that's why you don't see Powell after Die Die Hard (laughs) Two. That's a sore point. The continuing debate about ice cream. <laughs> it's like, I, I'm, you well, I don't like me ice cream. The radio, you're going to bring ice cream. I never said I was actually going to do it, pal. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and do you want ice cream when you're running and jumping around? I know they're kids. Kids are kind of active, but still, that's a recipe for disaster, if you ask me. There's going to be some <laughs> sick kids. Like, Powell doesn't have many friends. And you know that uh, Paul Gleason's character has so little time for him. It's just like, yeah, as soon as you kind of become friendly with him, he starts trying to make you bring him ice cream and stuff. And like, <laughs> it seems to me that's one of his, his standards for friendship. It's like, oh, we can hang out, but you've got to bring me, like, the, my Twinkies or my ice cream or something like that, you know? Uh, I need to be doing this. I want ice cream. All right, well, let's wrap this up so we can go get some more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I had one other thing here. All right, John's kids, by the time this fictional scenario occurs, right, won't, won't the... Uh, won't they be too old for the jungle gym? Because this kid isn't even <laughs> Actually, born yet. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> then, then again, I'm a 31-year-old man as of recording. I would play <laughs> on a jungle gym. <laughs> I, don't, but... so, yeah. I would have no problem. As long as it was adult size. You can imagine, like, who, who was the, which is the eldest McLean spawn? Is it um, Lucy or John? I think, I think Lucy's older. Can you imagine she... I'm trying, I'm looking at the, the picture about 50 seconds into the minute. Um... Looks like Lucy's a little bit older, but yeah, so she'll be a teenager. She's a teenager now, isn't she? She's, I think she's, yeah, no, she but... should be old enough to babysit uh, Carl Jr. There, yeah. But I don't know if she's gonna want to play with him, yeah, in the jungle gym. The, uh, I just imagine though, if she went through like a goth phase or anything like that, because I imagine maybe she did have a. Well, I think in Die Hard Four, they do yeah. 
allude to like a troubled upbringing because of the the problems in the McLean marriage. Yeah. But uh, her going through like a goth phase or something and then been forced to play in a jungle gym. <laughs> just, just like, Pal's the yeah. only friend I got left. You have to we have to do this. I promised them I'd play in the jungle gym. Well, maybe maybe John is uh you know, is think is is thinking about the the children to come. That like, you know, this this traumatic ah. experience will bring him and Holly closer together. He's you know, he's thinking about the the terrorist sex. Mm. <laughs> after uh, you know after this thing's all over like nine months from now there's gonna be uh a little john jr are you suggesting he's gonna he's gonna knock her up that night yeah, that's, that's, a, uh, that's, that's in the back of our gal's limo that's what's happening he's just like holly i've, I've <laughs> made a promise to a friend okay <laughs> we, got, we gotta get the work you just see argyle putting the uh the partition up so. yes. <laughs> but uh no, I think that's that's pretty much me for this minute. The only other thing I will note is that uh, again in McLean, looking at the the family photos, I think back in our first week, in our second minute, he also looked at those photos. So there you go. I think yeah, fairness. It was with yeah, we had Ricky yeah. Wiley on. He was the second guest, I believe. Yeah. Yes, so yeah, yes. and, uh, and he was looking looking through the pictures, the same ones. You're right. I didn't even uh, I didn't even yeah, remember. So there that. we go. This is a weird bit of uh, synchronicity right there. It's as if the organizer of this knows what he's doing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but uh, you guys, Almost. you have anything else you want to bring up about this particular minute of Die Hard? No, no, I'm all uh, tapped out for notes. No, that brings us to the end of Minute 82. You've probably told everyone listening where they can find you in your, uh, your own work and your own shows. But if you'd like to remind them once again, I'm sure they'd be grateful. Well, sure. If you want to uh, think back to minutes gone by and the season that just ended, I did something called National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Days, where we, uh, with my co-host Christopher Dennis DeGuardi and Pete Mummert, watched the National Lampoon movie Christmas Vacation one day at a time. And if you're, you feel the aching of the holiday season that just ended and you want to relive it again, uh, those episodes are, are still up at uh, you can actually find them find them at groundhogminute.com or uh, or our Facebook group, the Jelly of the Month Club. And if you uh, if you like me and John, you want to hear us talk about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Days, we may just be on the show. You never know. Oh, maybe you'll have to listen to them all to find yeah. out. Yeah, we're not going to tell you where to find us. You have to hunt. You have to do some work. Come on. <laughs> and if you do like us for some reason. You can find us all over the internet and our show Bat Minute 89. We're on Facebook at the Bat Minute 89 Listener Society. And you can tweet us as well, just at Bat Minute 89. If you'd like to get in touch with this show, there is a Twitter account. It is at Die Hard Minute. Do you say at? Apparently, you don't need to say that anymore. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to say it. I still say HTTP colon forward slash forward slash <laughs> www. Anyway, <laughs> um, there, there is a Facebook page as well. Die Hard with a Podcast Listener's Limo. It's a, a group to chat about all of this fun Die Hard stuff. And then there's a webpage, diehardminute.com. And if you'd like to catch up with other Movies by Minutes podcasts, you can go to moviesbyminute.com for more information. And I was going to do something funny uh, to do as an outro, and all I wrote in the notes <laughs> was to do a funny outro. <laughs> um, so I forgot to... Waka like, Waka! <laughs> <laughs> waka waka yeah oh dear we'll insert something later <laughs> so join us again tomorrow we will be back with minute 83 of Die Hard see you then 
I won't see you. I'll hear you. You'll hear me. <laughs> Tell me you got that. I got it. I got it. Hit your heart on Channel 5. <laughs> <laughs>